Welcome to this week's episode of the Life Group Leader Podcast. As always, your host, Hayden and Evan. Hi. And at Compass Bible Church, we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ by reaching people for Christ, teaching people to be like Christ, and training people to serve Christ. And everything we do here at Compass, including this podcast, is to fulfill the mission of reaching, teaching, and training. Life Group Leaders, we're grateful that you've tuned in here, and we are going to look at this morning's sermon entitled Kingdom Happiness, Happy Are the Merciful, from Matthew 5-7. Which reads, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Well, Pastor Hayden, your main point of this sermon was that Christians count themselves fortunate because of God's mercy toward them and should labor diligently to display that mercy to others. Hmm. Now, on initial reading, people might make the mistake to say, Oh, the merciful are happy because they are merciful and in return receive mercy. Whereas your point is saying, no, they are merciful because they've already received mercy and now are giving out mercy. So mm-hmm. how did you land in that conclusion? Well, I think the, I think it's true the other way, too, in a sense. Uh, but you have to understand the context is always in the, through the context of God's covenant people. And so as Jesus is talking to Israel... Uh, which is what he's doing here. Blessed are the merciful. Like if you want to say you are a kingdom people, uh, that means that you have to be a merciful person because God has shown so much mercy to the nation of Israel. And so uh, it's not just hey, if I'm showing mercy uh, as a you know pagan or non-Christian, that I'm going to have the mercy of God because you don't even know what the mercy of God is or how to even display that. And so as we understand the difference between Israel and the church, and we understand. Uh, the audience Christ is talking to, we understand this to say, blessed are the merciful, those who are not only reflecting but possessing the very mercy that's attached to the characteristics of God and the nature of God. Uh, Blessed are they because we also recognize that we're going to receive and we have received and will ultimately receive the mercy of God at uh, at the judgment. All right. Well, speaking of a good cross reference for this as life group leaders. Did we tell them the preaching point? Yeah, you just summed it up. Oh, I didn't read the preaching board. Yeah, I read it for you. You're oh. tired. And your Just voice. now? Yeah, I was trying to help you out. All right, life group leaders, there it was. I was trying to... Are you sure? Yeah. Wow. Okay. All right, cross-reference. Matthew 18, 21 to 35. Pastor Aiden, why is that a good cross-reference to have in our back pocket as life group leaders? It shows the way that God looks at people who are unwilling to be merciful to others, given the fact that he has been so merciful to us. So I just think it's a great reference of well, how, how tolerable should we be? How merciful should we be? How forgiving should we be? Uh, and Jesus says um, unlimited, right? unqualified, because that's how God has loved us in Christ. And how does this really display, you, you mentioned how it really shows God's view of those who are unmerciful when they've received mercy. I mean, for the unbeliever, They've received mercy of just common grace. Mm-hmm. For the believer, they've received you know, salvific grace. How does this parable uh, really help illustrate or put to light what this can look like, even in our own lives, so we can communicate this to our life group leaders or life groups? Well, I mean, just look at look at when you look at the text. It's very clear to say someone who was at the mercy of their master pleaded for mercy and forgiveness, and the master gave it to him. Uh, without compromise, without any expectations tied to that other than the fact that you're forgiven. Not, oh, I'll let you pay it back over time. Like, just, you're forgiven. 
Uh, and when he had the same mercy given to him, he goes and finds somebody who owed him a ton less and wouldn't extend that mercy that he was given to the other person. So I looked up online and give it to the kids team. The, that man who owed the master owed about $3.4 billion. Yeah, it, was, it was his life. And then the other guy owed him like $122. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there is definitely a, a massive difference in the in the amount of money that was owed uh, that was forgiven versus the little amount that wasn't forgiven, and it just showed the fact that that guy was not was not willing to give the mercy that he himself was given. And what does God say about that person? Uh, in his anger, the master who found out that this guy was unmerciful after the master was merciful to this man delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. And brings to the point: how big was his debt? Massive. Was he ever whole gonna, life? Was he going to pay his whole, whole debt? No. So he was going to be in prison forever. So also, my father will do to every one of you who do not forgive your brother from your heart. Um, yeah, I mean, I know, okay, what, what, if I'm a Christian, you're going to forgive. If you're a Christian, you're going to show mercy. Uh, it, well, I thought you said earlier that this has to do with the separation of Israel and the church. Yeah, it, it was showing the fact that unfaithful Israel, not everyone who says that they're Israel are Israel, right? Not everybody who says they're uh, a follower of, of Yahweh as a Jew was, was actually part of that covenant family. But it's saying it's true to us. Like there's so many people who say that they're Christians who aren't. Who are the Christians? Like who are the real Israel? Those who would show mercy. Who are the real Christians? Those who would show mercy. Love it. Well, mercy was the main focus of the sermon, but more importantly, the main focus of the text, which led to the it is the focus of the gospel. And so, for point number one, you wrote you you gave us was understand mercy as a central feature of the gospel. And you talked about how when we share the gospel, mercy has to be the primary focus of, and not just attached. Mm-hmm. It has to be the primary focus. Would you be able to share you know, the gospel with the focus on mercy as if you were sharing it with someone right now? So as life group leaders, we can kind of illustrate what that looks like to our life groups this week. And maybe you can do it briefly. Yeah, uh, I'd like to qualify that or at least lead up with a saying, if you, you can't share the gospel without focusing on mercy. And so when you share the gospel with people to say, hey, you know, God has is is created the world. Everything is his. He's in charge. Uh, in that, God is also holy and perfect, that he has created uh, everything perfect and holy, but yet we, he also gave people the choice to, uh, or the capacity to choose, which gives us the capacity to sin. And when Adam sinned, the reality is uh, everyone after that was not only uh, able to sin, but was born into a state of sin, and that's the world we live in. And the fact is, God is perfect, he's holy, he's just, and he's loving, okay? And the fact that God is just means that there is no one who's going to get away with any sin, ever. And so, in order for anyone to be with God, he would have to exercise mercy, or to be willing to give us something that we don't deserve based on his character. And because God is love, that is his character, he extends mercy to people who do not deserve it through giving Christ what we deserved. And so the substitutionary mercy that we have been given is through Christ. And anyone who would turn from their sin and receive what we don't deserve, which is the mercy of God, 
will then trade in their sin that gets put on Christ on the cross and would be able to receive the mercy of God through the forgiveness of their sin. And that is available to anyone who would turn from their sin and place their trust in the Christ, which is, that's the whole gospel, that the mercy of God is given to people who don't deserve it. That's all of our entrance into the kingdom of heaven. Now, how have you heard you know, the quote-unquote gospel, the error gospel, the, of the merciless gospel? How, how have you seen that expressed as your you know, 10 years as a pastor. Well, and I'll be charitable and not even talk about all of the false gospels. I'll give you one that's very common. People say, hey, just believe that Jesus has come to save people from their sins, and, and you'll be saved. Or do you know God loves you so much that he uh, wants you in his family? So do you do you believe that? Yes, you believe that. Then welcome. You're a Christian. Okay, I'm sorry. Why? why? Like what's what? What is the way that someone gets into God's family? Why wasn't I in God's family before? Right? If God loved the world, then doesn't that mean that I've been I've been in the club the whole time? Like when we miss out the whole idea of mercy, we understand. Look, you missed out an entire uh, world of why I'm not in God's family to begin with. Why is there a separation between me and God? This isn't just if I get to decide I want God today. I have to understand why I'm not with God as it is. Why is there sin in the world? Why is there brokenness in the world? And and how do I find a way out of that into the presence of God? God's mercy. If I can't preach God's mercy in the gospel, I don't know the gospel. All right. Well, mercy, as you mentioned it in the, the 9 a.m. sermon at least, is kind of been hijacked for you know, less, you know, lack of a better way of saying it. So can you describe in more detail the difference between what culture might say, what mercy is, maybe like, hey, we're kind of cordial, we're going to keep, you know, status quo versus God's mercy as you, you know, gave us a late language lesson of how it's the steadfast love of God. So what is that difference between what culture says is merciful and what God says is merciful so that we can help clarify this in our life groups this week? I don't know so much if the definition of mercy is different in our culture. Uh, like even I said in my sermon, as it is in the scripture, I think they're I think they're the same. I think it's the application of mercy that's quite different. Uh, the world's going to give mercy through reciprocity. I'm merciful to you. You're merciful to me. And oftentimes we read in the text. That's how we read it in the text, which sometimes you can get that. Oh, oh, be merciful because God was merciful to you. So we're merciful to other people because God was merciful to me. But it's like, no, no, no. You forget the whole application of God's mercy. It was undeserved, unconditional, unmerited mercy, right? So when we apply the biblical kind of mercy, it's quite a bit different than the way that we apply, the the world applies mercy. I'm going to be merciful to you because you've been merciful to me. We're merciful uh, because God, in his very nature and character, are merciful, or is merciful. And so, therefore, we're merciful to other people from uh, uh, whether it doesn't matter if they merit it or not. It doesn't matter if they deserve it or not. But the world's going to say, I'll, I'll be merciful to those who deserve it, who, who I want to. But it's like, that's not um, God's mercy. God's mercy is unconditional and unqualified. But the world doesn't give mercy in an unconditional, unqualified manner. That only God does. And therefore, that only those who have the Spirit of God will do consistently as throughout life. And it's really the only guaranteed mercy that we can receive. Even in the culture, people do things in hopes that people would be merciful to them, unknowing what to expect. But 
you know, shifting to point number two, we should expect God's mercy when you and I respond to the gospel. And to really accept that mercy, you brought up, it was Psalm 28, I think it was 2013, if I remember correctly. Essentially From, saying... Where are you at? It's an, uh, for under question number, uh, point number two, question number one that I wrote down. Why is confessing and forsaking oh, sin... Proverbs 28. 13. Proverbs 28, thank you. Uh, why is confessing and forsaking sin instead of just confessing sin necessary to receive mercy? Because you got to recognize that you're guilty and you're in need of mercy. And so I confess it, but why is forsaking, you know, the hate? Forsaking's got to be there. If it's not there. Because the gift of mercy says that you're no longer guilty, but yet if you continue living in that thing that condemned you, have you ever, are you truly, uh, are you going to be freed from that thing? You know, I mean, it's it, it's the same idea. It's like, well, God's going to save me and keep me in my sin. It's like, that's not how the Holy Spirit works. You know, when you, so it's like, if I confess and don't forsake, what am I actually doing? What is, what is confession? Hey, I did this bad thing. Are you going to stop? No. Then do you really want the mercy of God? I mean, or, 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 or do I understand my sin, my guilt? Because anyone who understands, like, and it's, again, it goes back to the Matthew 5 Beatitudes, poor in spirit, those who mourn, those who are meek, those who hunger and thirst. Is that person just going to confess? No. That person is going to forsake. And that's why I said not everybody, because Scripture says not everybody is going to obtain mercy. Who are those who are going to obtain mercy? Those who confess and forsake their sin. It may be a helpful you know, illustration is Zacchaeus, who finally understood what his sin did, and he forsook it. How did he forsake it? He gave away what he took and more to show, no, I, I am repenting. I am giving this away because I realize what my sin has done and not doing this to reciprocate mercy from other people. No, I've been shown mercy by God, and I'm going to give up. I'm going to forsake what I whole, my whole life used to be like. So you mentioned your sermon on how do we do this is to remember, as Christians in particular, for the unbeliever, how do you receive mercy? We'll respond to the gospel with repentance and, and faith. But for the believer, you talked about recognizing the new mercies every day. So what does it look like for the Christian to remember and recognize the new mercies of God every day? I mean, you still sin, I suppose. I mean, if I said I was perfect, I'm not a Christian, according right. to First John. You'd be a liar deceiving yourself and making God a liar. Uh, so you need the mercy of God. And not only do you need the mercy of God applying to your life every day, you need to you need something that keeps you in the love of God, right? What keeps you in the love of God? The mercy of God. And so every day, how many asking yourself how do I need the mercy of God every day would be equivalent to asking how do, do you need to know that God loves you every day? I sure hope so. And if you're going to, if you have the question, how do I know if God loves me every day? Because God has mercy on you every day. Because Lamentations 3 says that the mercies of God never end. Every day, they're new. Every single day, you never have to wonder if God has mercy for you, because he does. And it's funny you brought up Lamentations, because the context of that powerful Lament. verse is is terrible. Yeah. I mean, you have Babylon besieging Jerusalem, and then he's witnessing it, and he writes those words. Mm. And so even in the midst of the greatest calamity that we might be in, the mercies of God are still anew. Because they're all tied to God's character and not events. And that's what you see in the life of Elizabeth Elizabeth Elliot. Like, her mercy wasn't tied—her her desire to, to live for the Lord and, and the understanding of mercy wasn't tied to a bad situation. 
just like in Lamentations, just like in Daniel, just like in, in the Psalms, 51 of David. It was all tied to God's character, which helps us understand how I can be consistently merciful because it doesn't have to do with the situation I'm in. It has to do with who, the who, God. All right, well, wrapping things up, Life Group Leaders, we have point number three, exercise of mercy as a central element of Christian community. So, Pastor Hayden, what does that look like? How does you, know, you mentioned we can't really show it out there until we really address the house first, and that's very true. We can't help others if we can't make sure, for a pastor, if our households are not managed well, we can't be pastors. Yeah. And so if we can't you know, really reach the community unless we're showing mercy to one another. So how as life group leaders can we really encourage and exhort and yeah. you know, lead people through showing mercy to one another in, in our life groups and within the church? Well, just go to the basic concept of showing mercy. Giving people on, un, uh, what is it, my words? On, uh, what is it? Unqualified, unconditional. Unconditional. Uh, mercy, that I'm giving them something that they don't deserve. It's like, listen, if we're going to walk around giving people what we deserve all the time, we're going to be a really vindictive church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just imagine. And the problem is, too many churches do that. That's why churches split and churches are unhealthy, because it seems like when someone's wronged or someone is upset or someone sees something wrong, they want to go give people what they deserve. And it's like, th- that's so antithetical to the gospel message. Nobody in Christ's kingdom gets what they deserve. We don't. We get what we don't deserve. And so when your church begins to be a church where everyone gets what they deserve, then we're really not, we're not reflecting the character and the nature of God. And so what does it look like? It looks like a whole lot of mercy and forgiveness that's tied to the character and the nature of who God is. I'm going to look, uh, the, the Proverbs tells me it's the one's glory to overlook an offense. All right. I mean, I, I'm, I don't understand that Scripture teaches so much about the necessity for believers to look at one another as God sees them. And God doesn't see us as objects of wrath anymore. And so if you're looking at people in the church as objects of wrath, you are not displaying the character of God. And so uh, there's a lot of examples, uh, and, and we all have conflict with people in the church. But to understand that the conclusion of all conflict in God's church is mercy and forgiveness. So whatever it is, you have conflict, you can fill in the blank, whatever that is, the conclusion of that in the line of God's will is mercy and forgiveness. Un- What? Qualified. Unqualified. Unconditional. And unconditionally. Is there a situation where it doesn't happen? No. Speaking of that, now as life group leaders, we need to be kind of equipped for this. Now this is going to come later in our study in the Sermon on the Mount, but in Matthew 18, it mentions how... Matthew 6. You know, well, Matthew 18, earlier um, that you quoted, 21 to 35, um, how oh, my Heavenly Father do to every one of you who do not forgive your brother from your heart. Well, that's referencing back to Matthew six fourteen, where it says, if you forgive others and their trespasses, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you uh, forgive your trespasses. So the, really the question is, and this might may pop up in our life groups, you might have yeah. someone who's like, I just can't forgive them. What is the danger if I do not and refuse to show mercy and forgiveness to others within the church and even with outsiders? I would look at anyone and say, you don't understand the forgiveness of God. I'm not saying that it's not hard. I'm not saying that it's not difficult. I think it was very difficult for Christ to die 
for the sins of the world. I think that we go through lots of hurt and lots of pain in our lives, and that's exactly why the gospel is necessary for every single day. And we tell people this all the time. The go- you don't graduate from the gospel. You need the gospel every single day. Why? Because you need the mercy of God every day. Why? Because you're going to have to not only receive the mercies of God every day, you're going to have to extend the mercies of God every day, and there's going to be really bad things that happens. And we got to understand if we're going to exhibit the nature and the character of God in our lives, then we have to give a kind of mercy that is... Unconditional. And? Unqualified. Period. And so if we're not showing that mercy to others, you have to ask the serious question, are you forgiven by the Father? Are you a Christian? Because every Christian full of the Holy Spirit is going to forgive. Now, maybe they need help. Maybe they need guidance. Maybe they need counseling. Uh, maybe they need somebody to walk with them. That's fine. right? That is, that is completely fine and acceptable and preferred. Uh, but the unwillingness to say, I will not, is a... Is, is a red flag uh, that would suggest that we have to look at our own justification. Do you know what it means to be forgiven? Beca- or, or, and, do you recognize how, how much of an enemy you were of God? Because there is nobody who is a bigger enemy of you than you were of God. Yeah. That's right. All right, Pastor Hayden, we have a, f- a handful of application questions this week. Any direction with these questions for our life groups. Yeah, I mean, there, there are a lot of these in here that are for you to uh, to go to and answer it in order to apply in the context of your life group. But there's a question like 3A, 3A that is helpful, which is the Matthew 6, 14, 15 passage. And that's more of a devotional question, not something you have to go over in your group. But it is uh, simply, you know... What we just had read, if you forgive others or trespasses, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others or trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And the question is, once you read that, you need to understand mercy is the kingdom standard for all of God's children. In his kingdom family, no one withholds mercy and forgiveness who bear the name of Christ. Is there someone in your church family that you need to forgive? Make a plan this week to meet with them and exercise mercy. Life group leaders, this is a great opportunity for you to help people uh, show mercy and reconcile and create some uh, opportunities in our church for God's character to be reflected. And so, uh, although this isn't something you necessarily need to be uh, unraveling in your life group, it is something that I want to encourage everyone in your group to to think, is there anybody that I need to be merciful to and that I need to make things right with? So that's a really good question I think you guys should uh, should really hone in on. Other things, I mean, I know there's going to be commentaries that say, well, Matthew 6, 14 through 15 talk about not a justification. It talks about that, that God, you and God will have a severed uh, relationship here. And it's like... Okay, but if God's not going to forgive your sins here, but yet he's going to forgive your sins there, you tell me how that's a consistent interpretation of the forgiveness of God. It's not. Right? If God has, if God has separated your sins as far as the east is from the west, there is, no, there, is, there, should, there is no separation between the sins here and the sins there. Not even if there is any sins there and sins here. It's all, all sin is sin here. And so, I mean, any any interpretation that I've read um, that I think is is faithful to the text is is very clear that those who forgive are Christians, and people who will not forgive. Exactly what Jesus is doing here is saying you've got to recognize that the people of God forgive, and the people who don't forgive aren't people of God. And so, if you're somebody who is, who has an unforgiving heart right now, repent. 
because that's not what Christians do, and that's not who Christians are. All right, wonderful. Well, Life Group Leaders, uh, a resource that I think might be beneficial to have on your bookshelf, the kind of it ties in with the mercy a little bit. It's called Putting Your Past in Its Place by Stephen Vyers. It's Putting Your Past in Its Place by Stephen Vyers. What this book does is it helps categorize four kind of groups of people where either one, you have been wronged and maybe you responded wrongly, uh, or two, you were wronged and you responded rightly, or you did the wronging and responded wrongly after that, and then you did the wrong and you responded rightly. And so it really helps not only put the past in the place for people, but the purpose is to help them see the past theologically so that they can move forward properly with either reconcile or seeking mercy or granting mercy. So it's a very helpful and practical book that I would recommend. Pastor Hayden, we have a training that you just sent out to us as Life Group Leaders. Spans of care, how to love everyone in your life group well. Life Group Leaders, if you did not receive that, please reach out. We want to make sure you get this training. And this sermon is going to be really good for this topic uh, because when we talk about God's mercy, we're going to have to learn how to exercise God's mercy with all the people in our group, all the different kinds of people. And uh, I pray that this uh, training is going to be beneficial for you as you complete it and you have until our next uh, life group leader training in May. And so you have all month to uh, to complete this. Just make sure that when you have some time, make sure you stop in, listen to those, take the quiz at the end, and we pray that it is good for your edification. All right, we got some announcements, Pastor Hayden. Rap fire, what are they? Easter weekend, Good Friday, 4.36 p.m. here in the auditorium. Easter Sunday, 9 and 11 a.m., and then afterwards we're going to uh, have a giant celebration, rain or shine. We got options either way. Uh, We want you to invite people. We want you to make sure in your life group, life group leaders, encourage your people to invite someone this Easter. Uh, As far as parking goes, park at DTEX, all the way down to Senior Flexonics, that way we have room for people to park. Uh, Family Matters Conference, April 15th. We have many guest speakers. Looking forward to that. Uh, if you haven't anybody in your group, register. Have them register at compasshillcountry.org. $10 a person. No need to sign up kids under 6th grade. Or no need to well, pay you, for them. You need to register them. You need to them. register them, but they're free. Birth through 5th grade. And so, yep. That would be it. And then lastly, register for baptisms on April 23rd. If you have anyone in your life group who needs to follow through in baptism, like my life group does, uh, have them, encourage them to register today. All right, life group leaders, grateful for you, thankful, and we'll see you guys this week.